Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords, and this is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for this 433rd show is Dr. Richie Robertson, Emeritus Fellow and former Taylor Professor of Germanic Language and Literature at Queen's College. College, Oxford, who will be talking to us about the Enlightenment, the pursuit of happiness, 1680 to 1790. Our history buffs are Rick Sweet and Terry Toppler. And Terry, why don't you start us off this time? All right, thank you. Richie, you mentioned in your book that Enlightenment, that the collective mission of Enlightenment was the freedom from fear, which I find interesting because one of the more popular books recently in the U.S. was titled Fear. (laughs) And so my question is, Yeah, my question is, during this time of upheaval, will this usher in a period of enlightenment? Are there lessons that we can learn? Um, I know you mentioned also possibly that in education, we should include a class on philosophy. So where do we go from here? Well, you ask about fear. Um, There are plenty of things that the enlightenment couldn't couldn't do do much about, like illness and, of course, death. Um, How the individual deals with with these things is out to him or her. I think a very important lesson of the Enlightenment is questioning authority. When um, public figures or public bodies make claims, what are these claims based on? At least to inquire into them. And one very much needs not to be seduced by the charismatic authority that some, some leaders claim. We need a, a sceptical rather than a, than, than a gullible public and Dance, I'm afraid, is a hard slog of, of education. Um, it's not particularly a result of the Enlightenment, but we often forget how fortunate we are to live in a time when medical science has, um, to a large extent, freed us from illness and the fear of illness. We also need to have a social order that frees us from the fear of, of poverty and, and destitution. And that, of course, is harder to achieve. Can I put in one, one more thought? Um, this, again, is, is a bit um, critical. So critical. Um, the political thinkers of the Enlightenment were, on the, whole, on the whole, graduates. They believed in reform, not revolution. As I said earlier, top-down reform. Um, revolution occurred in France when it was quite clear that top-down reforms no longer the chance. Now, I don't count the French Revolution as a consequence of the Enlightenment. It took history in a quite different direction and spread the idea that the most effective means of political change is, is, is revolution. That, to my mind, is a disastrous idea, but nevertheless, an, an obviously incredibly important idea for the last, the last two centuries. And we all know from too many examples that a, revolution, a revolutionary upheaval tends to end with the new structures of authority which are similar to, but often worse than, the ones that were overthrown. Examples will come to, to everyone's mind. Um, so I, I have a high regard for the licensed thinkers in, in, their, in their gradualist approach to political reform. 
Okay. Um, Rick, do you have a question? I certainly happen to have one left. <laughs> Richie, we've talked uh, in the broadcast portion about the impact on politics and religion, whatever. Uh, just curious, as the uh, team capitalists, uh, d- does capitalism find its roots uh, somewhere in this 110-year uh, period? Not in some roots, but perhaps it's in theory, um, expressed above all in, in the wealth of nations. Um, when, I, when I read through the wealth of nations, though, I thought I discovered a contradiction in this scheme. On the one hand, um, he very much wants free trade. He's dead, he's dead against um, what, he, what he calls um, 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 monopolies. There, sh- there should be um, unrestricted competition. On the other hand, it's the nature of free trade that um, businessmen get together to form monopolies. And he, and although he says that when two or three businessmen, businessmen he says merchants, are gathered together, you can be sure they're engaged in, in a conspiracy against the public good, end quote. Um, he has no solution for um, preventing monopolies and, and thus preventing monopoly capitalism. He's not entirely against state intervention. For example, he believes in state education. But on the whole, I think that is a contradiction and a gap in his projects. All right. Um, Richie, we have a tendency, and I'm a historian by uh, trade, uh, we have a tendency to homogenize history, to sort of condense it down and smooth it out. And so um, I, I want you to talk a little bit about uh, the way that Enlightenment thinkers argued with each other um, or or dealt with the inconsistencies in each other. I'm thinking of, in this country, uh, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of, um, uh, oh... Hamilton, Madison. Yeah, well, and I'm, yeah. So so I'm, I'm just kind of curious. I guess I was what I was thinking was was Hume and the philosophes in France um, who once, who once uh, sarcastically called Hume the word made flesh because he was so fat and so popular. Um, and, and so I'm just interested in, in how, because I, I want to hope that there is something that we can learn from the way public discourse can take place um, when good thinkers disagree intelligently. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, if you look at the dealings of the, of the feelings off with each other, you find, mm, you find that um, sociability, especially male sociability, is very important. Clubs and societies were hugely important in the, in the Enlightenment. That's where people shared and developed ideas. But um, intellectual partnerships with women also existed. For example, Voltaire's longtime girlfriend, Emilie du, du Chatelet, translated Newton's Principia into French and helped Voltaire with the study of, of Newton, besides being a scientist in her own right. Um, so um, personal and 
intellectual links and tend to overlap and strengthen each other. Again, the famous conflict between Hume and Rousseau was a very complex personal one and quite as much as a difference of ideas. Um, sociability discussion was, was all important. You have, in other words, you have to have the sitting, the venue, where people can, can come together in a good-natured way to prevent uh, disagreements from becoming toxic. And I can't, I've um, been very good so far and left Kant out of the discussion, but I want to bring him in now. And his idea, um, formulated in the 1780s, that it's characteristic of human beings to have unsocial sociability. That is, we need to be together, but we also readily get into conflict with, conflict with, with each other. And this um, conflict is not very aggressive. It shouldn't be replaced by homogeneity. It wouldn't be a better world if we all thought the same. Rather, um, this friction between different people is the way in which humanity progresses. It's to be welcomed. And similarly, uh, many people thought in politics that um, unanimity, homogeneity is desirable, but there are exceptions among them, among them, among them, um, um, Montesquieu, who thought, contrary to the general view, that factions, what we would call parties, were desirable, that they produced a, a creative friction in government. The founding fathers, as I recall, were divided in this issue. Um, Madison, if I remember correctly, thought there should be no parties, others welcoming the, the existence of parties. All right. Well, we would like to thank our guest for this 433rd show, Dr. Richie Robertson, Emeritus Fellow and former Taylor Professor of Germanic Language and Literature at Queen's College, Oxford. We've been talking about the Enlightenment, the pursuit of happiness, 1680 to 1790. The history bus for today's show were Rick Sweet and Terry Toppler. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put K-A-L-A-H-D-2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put K-A-L-A Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.